Stand by for the hook. Welcome to The Hook with Katie Kempner, Vice President of Agency Communications at Crispin Porter and Bogusky, the most awarded advertising agency in the world. Every Tuesday at the intersection of advertising and PR, The Hook, where Katie talks with advertising visionaries, top journalists, cutting-edge creatives, authors, and PR gurus. Hear what these industry insiders have to say about the changing landscape of advertising and PR today. Now here's your host, Katie Kempner. Hello, I'm Katie Kempner. Today is Tuesday, May 13th, and after a little hiatus, welcome back to a new edition of The Hook, where each week I talk to advertising, branding, and public relations insiders who are both leading and covering the industry. My hope is that by listening to these thought leaders, you'll find inspiration and new ideas and have some fun along the way. Since I did take a little break, I knew I had to come back with a bang, and I know you will agree that I have come through after listening to my next guest, Nancy Hill, President and Chief Executive Officer for the American Association of Advertising Agencies, known in the industry as the 4As. So just a little bit about Nancy. She was named President and CEO of the 4As in February of this year. Prior to that, she served as CEO of Low New York, where she led an agency reorganization to more closely align services with the demands of clients in the 21st century. Prior to Low, she was with BBDO New York, Hill Holiday, and Donor. Throughout her impressive career, she's overseen such high-profile accounts as XM Satellite Radio, Regent Hotels and Cruises, Girl Scouts of America, Motorola, HBO, Visa, and AOL. Nancy, welcome. Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I know how very, very busy you are. Well, you caught me between conferences, so you got me on a good day. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, I'm grateful for that. So, congratulations on your on your relatively new position. Let's let's just jump right in and and talk about the four A's. So, uh, what do you, what do you see as the role of the four A's right now? Well, I think. Um, we actually serve a lot of different roles, but uh, let me give you the ones that are easy to explain first. Uh, we actually have five people in our Washington, D.C. office where we work very closely with um, policymakers and regulators to ensure that the advertising industry is represented fairly in Washington when those discussions are taking place. Um, secondly, for many of our members, we do provide the um, 401k healthcare and um, self-insured workers' comp um, out of our Charlotte office. So those are two just sort of meaty utilitarian things that the 4As does. But at, at a higher consciousness level, I think one of the things that we do probably better than most is we facilitate conversations, conversations between our members about how the industry wants to tackle problems, conversations with our sister organizations such as the ANA and the IAB so that we are collectively looking at things um, and making sure that we're serving not only the agencies, our members' needs, but also the advertising uh, industry in general, and also um, facilitating conversations with appropriate parties such as um, the Human Rights Commission in New York, um, who we have ongoing dialogue with, Howard University, who we're working with now, and just anybody who we think can have a large influence on our members' day-to-day business. Well, talking about some of the conversations that that um, you facilitate in the past, you know, and sort of the bigger issue in, in the past, there's been some there's been some 
concern about the relevancy of the forays to the industry where it is today. What do you believe really to be its chief relevancy right now? Well, I do think that our, our chief relevancy is making sure that we're having uh, very, very up-to-the-minute conversations about the right topics. I think where the, the uh, finger got pointed at the relevancy was, had a lot to do with um, the conferences, quite frankly, because it is the, the conferences are our most public face. And I mm-hmm. think that in the last couple of years, uh, you know, up to uh, Laguna Niguel, certainly, uh, some of the people, some of the speakers who were on the stage may not have felt relevant to the audience. And I think that's mm-hmm. where the big relevancy question was coming in. Well, I saw you you just speak. You gave a very inspiring uh, speech about your position and what what you plan to do at the at the leadership conference at Laguna um, that just you know several weeks ago. Why do you think that this conference was different this year? Were there any important takeaways in your mind? Well, I think what we tried to do, and, and I will give um, both Tom Carroll and Mike Donahue credit for this, and, and to a certain extent, Birch as well. After last year's conference, when there was a lot of complaining, and, and I was one of the ones complaining, uh, honestly, that I really think that everybody said, okay, let's just take a look at this thing and figure out the kind of speakers and the kind of topics that people want to come listen to so that they can be inspired. And by the way, that may or may not be people in this business. It may be people from outside this business. So I do Mm -hmm. think that the big difference you saw this year was that there were a lot less agency folks getting up on the main stage um, to talk about what's going on at their agency. And a lot more people coming to us, um, such as Ben Silverman, from NBC Universal to talk about what's going on in the advertising uh, industry at large, not just within the agency, so that you can draw inspiration from what other people are doing and how they're looking at the business. And it, I mean, as someone that's been to that leadership conference every year, it definitely, it definitely had a different tone this year. It was much more energized, much more interesting, and there were a number of speakers that really were different than the ones that you would, you would see in the past. Yeah, and I think the other thing is um, Tom and I both tend to be very optimistic. <laughs> I'm sure you took that away from the way we were. And I think the other thing that we wanted to make sure was that there was a tone of, this is a really cool business we work in, and let's be grateful that we're actually in this business because it, it is, with all of the issues that we face today, at, at the end of the day, it is still a lot of really smart, fun people. So let's Let's just enjoy that while we can. Well, there does, I mean, you bring up a really good point because there does seem to be, if you look in the trades or if you go to certain speak, you know, certain conferences, the sort of doom and gloom, oh, no, you know, the, the, the industry is over. And, you know, I mean, what do you have to, that, that, to me that seems to be a ridiculous point of view. I mean, what, what do you think? Um, I agree with you. I think it's a ridiculous point of view. I, I think we are, once again, as we have many times over the course of the history of this industry, um, reached a point where everybody's looking at this and saying, okay, um, I'm putting my doom and gloom behind me, and I'm going to enjoy this moment because I do think that we are on the brink, as Lee Klaus said at that conference, of another creative revolution, not unlike what happened in the 60s. 
And I think that's what's got people like me in particular very excited about the industry because we now have all these new tools and we have just started to figure out how to use them and to do things that are going to be phenomenal. Sure, advertising the way we grew up with it may look and feel completely different five years from now or ten years from now after we get to another point in this revolution, but who wants to stay the same anyway? Yeah. Well, you you mentioned when you were doing that um, when you when you were giving your speech your, your introductory speech, you said how you were you were a tech geek yourself, which I thought was uh, was pretty fun. Do you think that though? I mean, that's interesting for somebody like you coming from big agencies that aren't necessarily thought of, you know, in that way. Do you think that that's unique to you, or do you think that a lot of larger agencies really are much more interested in sort of? changing than the cutting edge than, than they're giving credit for. Oh, wow. Yes, 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 and yes. Um, <laughs> I think, I, I think I'm a, a little bit not, I wouldn't say unique, but unusual in that most of my career has been spent working with um, technology brands, whether it's consumer technology or big B2B technology. Um, I was just having lunch, coincidentally enough, today with the, the creative director I referenced at the beginning of my speech, Jim Dale, and we were talking about when we were working with Bell Atlantic Mobile in the mid-80s, by the way, um, their budget was $4.5 million. They were in three markets. They were in Washington, Baltimore and Philly. Do you know who that is now? It's Verizon Wireless. And do you know what their budget is? It's a billion dollars. But when you work with small technology brands who are launching and they have very, very small budgets, you get very, very used to very quickly being really flexible about how you use media. And back then, obviously, media is very different than it is now, but we weren't doing television commercials. We were doing radio and outdoor and direct mail, and it wasn't siloed. Now, flash forward, you know, 10 years ago, I was working in San Francisco with a a little company called Cisco, um, whose main target were the IT guys and the decision-making roundtable inside an organization. When they did go on television, it was because they wanted to make a very real statement about the Internet, not necessarily about themselves, knowing Mm -hmm. that making a big statement about the Internet would benefit them as well. So you, and, but at the end of the day, we were still doing microsites with downloadable white papers for the IT guys to get in their hands to understand how all that equipment worked together. So I guess, I guess what I'm saying is that this is all new for a lot of the companies, that, whether they're agencies or, or client-side, that have been consu- traditional consumer packaged good companies and maybe even for some of the financial services companies. But it really, it's not as if this is brand new to the world. It's existed for a long time. I just think that I've been very fortunate to have worked in um, the kind of markets where we didn't have the big packaged goods budgets, and we had to look at things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. I want to just switch gears a, a little bit and talk, because when, when you were speaking at the beginning, you mentioned Howard University doing something with them, and I know that one of the, the key issues that the advertising industry overall has been talking about is how there's so few, there's not nearly the right number of minorities and women in senior management in the, in the advertising set. I think actually maybe diversity more than women as well. But I, I, I want to sort of know your opinion on, you know, in both cases, 
how you think that that it can change and, you know, what the forays is doing to help? Uh, well, I, obviously it can change by um, looking at a much wider swath of the population. I, I've, I've done a lot of talking to people about this over the last three months, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. I think the biggest problem that we have right now is that even with the agencies who are trying to uh, have a much more diverse population in their ranks, mm-hmm. people are treating it like it's a mathematical equation, and it's not. It is a matter of numbers but it's not a mathematical equation. And when I say that, what I mean is that we we have, as an industry, tended to fish in the same ponds for years, go to the same universities to recruit, go to other agencies to pull people out of. We haven't really been good about saying, okay, this isn't working. We need a much more diverse population. And by the way, our work will be better for it if we have a more diverse population. And we need to start thinking about where else we can recruit, both for entry-level people and for mid- and senior-level people. Um, Let me just use – I I certainly do not pretend to be someone of um, uh, any any color. However, what I can say about my background is I went to a small, tiny liberal arts college in the middle of Ohio, not exactly the place where agencies go recruit people, and I ended up in the back door. Um, I was a psychology and sociology major, and you'd think on paper that would make perfect sense in terms of getting into the advertising business, but 25 years ago, I had to Mm -hmm. fight my way in. And I, I, again, I think it's because we just got used to, as an industry, recruiting from people who looked like we did and not recruiting for people who didn't look like we did, either on paper or in actual fact. And until we start looking at how we can not only go across the color lines, but also go across the socioeconomic lines so that we're not just going after the white middle class people that we've gone after in the past, once you start crossing those lines, then the numbers start to fall naturally because that's what the population looks like. You yeah, and, I mean, and we're talking to an entire range of people, so you would think we would want to represent a range of people when we're talking to them. Exactly. And I think that once you start shifting the conversation away from the numbers and to a much more inclusionary discussion, then you start to understand that, that people are willing to give you the benefit of the doubt, even though they may come into an organization and not see a lot of people who look like them. Another question about recruiting, which is just more in terms of general and, and getting the, the, you know, the best people or best in class, I know a lot of agencies have been having a lot of trouble recruiting really high-end digital people to fill in all the need that there is now for all of this digital work. Is there uh-huh. anything that the 4As is doing to try to further that along? Um, Well, there are a lot of things that we're looking at in terms of um, our uh, education and training programs and making sure that we as an industry are seen as a a viable alternative to the wide spectrum of options that these people have, which is to go to work for anybody like Microsoft, Google, NBC, to at the other end of the spectrum, McKinsey and Bain. I mean, it's a fight for talent. And the the issue that it keeps bringing up over and over again is, is competition. 
compensation and, and how we pay people who are entry level or, or in the case of digital folks, even people who are very experienced because it's been sort of taking a, a almost backseat to the people who have been at the agencies forever and may not have the digital skills but are certainly getting paid for their big ideas. And until we crack that um, circle, I don't think we're going to solve the problem. But the best thing that we can do is continue to have the conversations and make sure that everybody's aware of what the issues are as they're starting to go through that recruitment process. Nancy, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's talk a little bit about Advertising Week. Okay. So <laughs> we'll be back right after this. Sit tight and don't move. The Hook. We'll be back after this short break. When it comes to finding the right customers with the right keywords, all you have to remember is ABC Search. ABC Search is the world's largest privately held pay-per-click network, giving advertisers the best pay-per-click traffic. With over 6 billion searches a month and industry-leading protection using ClickShield, their patent-pending fraud identification software, you can trust ABC Search to deliver the best possible traffic. When thinking about PPC and publisher solutions, all you need to remember is ABC Search. Quality partners, quality search, abcsearch.com. Welcome back to our coverage of the 17th Annual Golf Invitational, brought to you by SureHits.com. When looking for the right ad network, there seem to be unlimited choices. Go with the only network that targets the insurance industry, SureHits.com. Let's head down to the fairway. Here we are at the 18th hole. Odd choice for Ken Mitchum to not go with SureHits.com here. I mean, they are the only ad network that targets the insurance industry. Definitely a strange choice to not pick the best option for publishers in the finest category, but, oh, here's a swing. Oh, look out, folks. Terrible slice into the woods. Jeff Burns now stepping up to the fairway. And it looks like he's already chosen SureHits.com. Clearly the best choice since they pay more for quality traffic. And the swing. Oh, my, he crushes it. When getting ready to make your drive, go with a sure thing. SureHits.com. For insurance, it's SureHits. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998 and formerly known as Joe Bucks, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Market Edge with Larry Weber. The future of the World Wide Web with Steve Bratt, who runs the World Wide Web Consortium. We're really in the stage where beyond innovation, getting close to the end of the early adopter stage, and getting to the point where if it's going to really take off in the adoption cycle, I think we're going to see some things happen in the next uh, year or two. Market Edge with Larry Weber, Tuesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and on demand after the show inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Don't get caught in a web of confusion. Learn the ropes on webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. Now back to The Hook. The intersection of advertising and PR. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's your host. Hello, welcome back. I'm Katie Kempner, and I'm talking with Nancy Hill, 
a CEO and president of the American Association of Advertising Agencies. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Katie. That's my favorite part, by the way. They're like, hi, the, the in and out, the segues. <laughs> so, advertising week is coming up, and the 4As plays a big part in that. Well, it's coming up not soon, soon, but it's in September. In what September. exactly is, is the 4A's role in advertising week, and, and also why do you think it's important to the industry? Um, well, the 4A's role is really now to help be the, the backbone, if you will, for an organization that doesn't have any real infrastructure. Um, uh, Advertising Week was the brainchild of Ken Case, Ron Berger, and Bert Drake. And the, when they came up with the idea that they sort of needed a place to house it, if, if you will, from a financial perspective, from an oversight perspective, and that's where the 4A's came in. And, and weirdly, not weirdly, but interestingly, uh, that's sort of been the history of the forays. A lot of people don't realize that we actually birthed the Ad Council. We birthed Partnership for Drug-Free America, the AAF, and the list could go on. Um, we serve as sort of an incubator, if you will, until organizations like that can get up on their feet and run themselves. So we continue to serve that role um, for Advertising Week. But I think um, the, the interesting thing for Advertising Week and why it's important to the ad industry goes back to some of the things we were talking about. When mm-hmm. I, you know, when a lot of the people who are in this business now were growing up, there was something or some program that put advertising in the zeitgeist. Um, I'm going to really date myself, but obviously, you know, Bewitched was around when I was a kid. But as I got older, thirty something, and then um, for other people, it was Melrose Place that sort of put advertising at the center of a very uh, popular culture. Um, piece that that showed what we did and made it seem fun and glamorous. There hasn't really been any of that, and I don't really think you can count Mad Men, um, even though it's the most recent. And advertising is a way for us to appear not only to people who aren't in advertising, but even for the young people in advertising who are maybe one, two, three years into it, to show that this Mm -hmm. is something where we don't uh, necessarily take ourselves so seriously, that we can have fun, that we can talk about the industry, and that people like being with each other. Um, it being in New York, um, at least the one that, that I think you're referring to, although there is also one in D.C. the week prior, um, and there's talk of doing it in other cities. In New York, advertising is a huge industry for the city, so it's also a way for us to remind the city uh, what advertising as an industry cont- contributes to New York City. So I know that's a lot, but that's sort of the way I look at it. Did you did you mention the dates on that, by the way? I didn't. Would you like to? Yes, it's September 22nd through the 26th. And that's the one in New York, and the one in and Washington the, is the week before? The week, exactly the week before. And is, does that have a, a similar focus, or is that more based on, on lawmaking that has to do with advertising? No, it's got a similar focus, although it does have a little bit more um, of policy involved simply because they're in Washington. What, do you have any highlights for Advertising Week, or do I have to come back and talk with you again when it gets closer? 
Um, you might want to come back and talk to me again when it gets closer, but uh, the one thing I can tell you is that we've uh, focused the events so that it's not spread out all over the city the way it has been in years past. It'll tend to be sort of centralized around um, Times Square and that area, so it should make it a little bit easier for people to get around. Um, if you go to uh, www.advertisingweek.com, uh, you should find uh, pretty much everything that we've got ready to launch, but there's even a little ticker on the website that says that it's 132 days and eight hours before Advertising Week kicks off, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is pretty funny. (laughs) That's very funny. I know we don't have much more time left, but I did want to just touch back on the conferences because we talked about it at the beginning and you said, and it, it really is the case that that's how a lot of people see the forays through the conferences. And I mean, there's some conferences that really have a huge impact and can you tell me what what conferences are the ones that are really, you know, to look out for this in the next maybe 12 months? Well, I think, you know, first of all, the uh, leadership conference that we just came through, we have to start working on next year's conference because it, as, as well as everyone received this, we need to make sure that we raise the bar again next year. So that's one of the ones that we're working on programming right now and just getting started on that. Um, coming up at the end of May, we have a one-day digital I hesitate to call it a a conference as much as it is a way for us to help uh, our membership look at what's going on in the digital universe. And when I say digital, I don't mean online. I mean every single piece of media, which is now digital. Um, There's just not a better way of describing it. I wish there were. Um, And I think if you were to look at that agenda, you'd see a much different agenda than what you would have expected from the forays um, even a year ago. Uh, We've got a panel, for instance, on build it, buy it, or borrow it that's all about how agencies are working with the digital universe. We've got a a panel where we've got a group of 20-something sitting live on stage talking about how advertising can actually screw up their social experience and they'll never forgive you for it. Uh, we've got Jeffrey Cole from um, USC's um, Center for the Digital Future, on and on and on. I mean, these are, and Mark Kwame is going to talk about if he, if he were to be given the charge to build an agency today, what would that look like? It's, I think, really... Um, important to keep in mind that these people are all thought leaders in the in the uh, digital world, and that we can all get something from them. But very few of them are actually running agencies right now, which is the point. So I'm I'm vacillating between asking you what are I'm going to ask you two questions, and you can just pick because I think that they both sort of have overarching answers. I, I really wanted to know what you think that the the are the biggest issues that the industry is facing right now, and you know facing going forward, or perhaps with a different tone. Why it's the most exciting time to be in advertising? Um, well, the, the bar, bar none, the biggest issue facing this industry right now is talent and yeah. getting it, getting it, recruiting it, retaining it, nurturing it, growing it. That is the and, and every single agency person I talk to will t- give me the same answer. And at the same time, I think it's why it's so exciting because that means that we have to work really hard at positioning this industry in a way that will attract that talent. So that's what makes it so exciting to be the head of the 4As right now. Well, let me ask you as my final question, you know, you've, you've had such an interesting and impressive career to date with so much more to come. You, you've just taken on this big, you know, very powerful and interesting role. Do you have any advice for people that are either starting out 
or aren't happy where they are and thinking of making a change, sort of a philosophy that has helped guide you through your career? Um, It's so funny because, again, I just had this lunch today and was talking to this person I met 25 years ago when I got into the business. And I think the thing for me is I've never been afraid to take a risk. When somebody said, you know, Nancy, this might be really interesting for you, I've looked at it and weighed it and almost always jumped on it. And that meant that I moved from Baltimore to St. Louis to Los Angeles to San Francisco to New York and that I moved from big agencies like TBWA Day in Los Angeles to small agencies in San Francisco, uh, or that I went from BBDO to go try to help run low. I just, I never shied away from those because I, I looked at everything as a growth opportunity, and I think that's um, stood very well for me in the long run. That's excellent advice. Nancy, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. You're welcome, Katie. Nice talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's all that we have time for today. Please join me next Tuesday for another edition of The Hook. Thanks, and have a wonderful day.